Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Button. I'm hitting the button. You give me that number three, I'm going to run the ball 40 times with him. <laughs> Not enough. I don't want to hear that crap. All right, Ronnie, you before, before, before we get started, we allowed now. Before we get started, what is the did, did Sam and Grice did y'all slap that, give each other a pound, a little love after the game? Yeah, yeah. We like Grace, like, like I said before, like we're gonna hug. Like I hugged him before and after the game. Now I'm gonna beat yeah. his butt. We're gonna hug at the end, like brothers. <laughs> now. So Sam, Sam was a good sport. Like, I don't know why I act like Grinder's like a sore loser. Like, he's going to push me and talk junk. Like, Grinder gave me a whooping the first time. I hugged him and talked with him after. Like, to go. It doesn't matter. Hey, Grinder hugged me. I hugged him after. He gave me a whooping the first time. This time, I hugged him. Can y'all hear me? Can y'all hear me? We can hear you, but you're frozen. You're frozen. Get out of here. We'll do the show. Hey. For the rundown, I'm gonna do the show in freeze mode. Uh, <laughs> him and, and then funny, like him and Dale, they always be frozen up. And I don't know, I don't know what it, it is. They, well, it's because you still have dial up. You still That's exactly what it is. I don't. I trust me, I don't have dial up. Absolutely, absolutely do not have dial up. Dale, your thoughts on the Sun Valley head coach leaving in middle of season? Now, when I first read this, I read the announcement, it hit me that he didn't leave by choice. And then thought about it, and I said, well, I hope he was uh, fired, because if he wasn't fired, that means there's a health issue in the family or something, because no coach leaves in the middle of the season. Uh, even if they're even if they're going, things are going bad, a coach has an ego. His ego is going to push him to believe he can do better the next week. So he's going to stick around and do it. So my, my thoughts, I don't know why you would let a coach go in the middle of a season uh, unless there's things that we don't know. But All right. I, uh, I don't think it's a good situation. Yeah, Gary, your thoughts? My first thought, similar to Dale, is it had to be family-related, uh, family health-related. But if it's not that, um, like Dale said, you, you very rarely find coaches that quit. You know, we had a circumstance last year at Garinger where a coach quit before a game. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's highly unusual, especially when most coaches are always telling their kids to fight through adversity and don't quit and don't give up. So – um, of course, I don't hope anything is health related, but at the same time, I hope it's a situation where he didn't quit uh, just because of the one loss record. 
Well, no, I mean, I, I think it's just one of those situations, man. A coach can can be, you know, meeting expectations or below. But, you know, we're in a situation where we're firing guys or guys or, you know, whatever the quote-unquote term would be where a guy can't finish the season. Hopefully, I would hope that it would be a decision that he made and not, not under his uh, own volition. But if that's what's occurring, man, we are in a tough state of affairs here as coaches. I mean, there are situations a lot of times and expectations maybe that are out of coaches' control. People are still dealing with the effects of dealing with COVID in an environment. And, I mean, unless there was a specific situation going on other than you not liking the guy, I, I just think it's sad. And, I mean, you know, Griner, I don't know, you know if he's in here, but I just couldn't imagine that situation occurring with a school that hasn't won a state title like Sun Valley. Like, I just – I don't know, man. Like, that's a lot for me. Griner. Yeah, I'm with you on this. Like, it's it's surprising. Like, the demand for a head coach. Like, even I, I have meetings all the time, left and right. It's not like I have a second planning period. It was funny. Tensor was like, you didn't get two planning periods? I was like, no. I worked three periods. Then I got no other coaches in the building. Um, I got to monitor kids. It's, it's very difficult. We don't get paid nowhere near enough, and it comes with a lot of stress. Then you might have a coach, and I don't want to disrespect any type, but you might have a – you know, we'll say, you know, the men's tennis coach at a certain school, da 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 da, da. The, the demand is not going to be as difficult on him, and they, they could lose every daggone game or match there is, and no one's running up, you know, like you're not having meetings every time you lose or something of that nature. And I'm just like, my goodness, it's, it is very tough to be a head football coach right now. It really is. Like, I promise you. All right, Chris, how big historically – is this year's Huff Chambers game? I think it's pretty big. You know, dating back to about, I think, 15, 2015, uh, these two teams have played each other twice in the same year, I think three different times. Uh, since 15, I think Huff has won the game four times. I think Chambers has won it, I think, about five times, maybe six times with the playoff games mixed in there. Uh, and, and if you go back and look, um, Huff, Huff has beat them two times in the past year, uh, two years. Uh, they, these are two teams that are going to match up well. Uh, they, they, they've really been really competitive on the field. Uh, it's not only for positioning for the playoff run, but also for the conference championship. And it could be a precursor to the playoffs. I think it's a huge, huge game. All right. Um, Alex, what do you think? It's not significant at all. This is absolute nonsense all the way around. This is a remake to the same thing that we saw back in the early 2000s with Independence and Butler. They were, and both were very, very good teams. There's no question about that. Independence was an elite team. Butler was on the rise at that point. It got to a point where Butler won in the regular season, but until Butler got it done in the postseason, it didn't matter. And until Butler won a state championship, it really didn't matter. Huff hasn't won a state championship yet. This isn't a rivalry. This is absolutely insignificant. It's significant because of where these teams need, what these teams need to accomplish this year in terms of conference positioning to put themselves in the place, put themselves in the place that they want to be for the state playoffs. But in terms of historical significance, this is absolute nonsense. Absolute nonsense. I think this is going to be pasted on the Huff message board or, or some or Facebook page or something that's going to be something. Huff needs to win a championship and then come talk to me. Win a championship and then come talk to me. 
This is the wow. same nonsense that we've heard year in and year out. Well, this team's going to be great. That team's going to be great. This Only team's four great. teams can win the championship every year. Until you win okay. a championship, it doesn't matter. It was the same thing. in West Charlotte was dominant back. Until Independence got over the hump, it didn't matter. Until Butler got over the hump, it didn't matter. Until Mallard Creek got over the hump, it didn't matter. Huff has yet to win a state championship, win a state championship, and then come talk to me. Wow. Okay. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Off we go to fight, fight the Gary, hump. time to panic in the NFL. Pittsburgh, Miami, Indianapolis, and Minnesota. Uh, I think I'm going to go with Indy because um, they put a lot of um, their faith in Carson Wentz, and, and he's hurt. Uh, I don't think he's going to be able to play this week. Uh, they're 0-2, and they were expected to win the division. Now, there were high expectations among the other three teams, but I don't think the other three were expected to win their division the way that Indianapolis was. So I, I think the Colts, it's time to panic. Wow. Okay. Um, Dale, you follow up. Hmm. Well, I was going to put Mercury Morris up behind. <laughs> In the back you guys end. are probably too young to know who Mercury is was but uh, they were my team uh, before the Panthers so while I can agree with everything Gary said a personal point in me says especially after this past weekend Miami uh, pushed the panic button you gotta do better well, the quarterback is, it got hurt, and they had a slow start. It's, it's a tough thing. Um, all right, Chris, way too soon awards. Give me your Heisman leader, your NFL MVP, and your high school coach of the year and player of the year right now. Wow. Um, you, you know, I don't follow the NFL much, but I'd say my NFL leader would have to be Tom Brady just because that's about the only thing I see. Uh, I don't follow it. So uh, I, I have to kind of check myself out of that one. Uh, Heisman. Man, that, that's tough as well. I mean, it's so hard to get a snapshot after just two, three games. Um, uh, I, I, I don't, I don't know. Uh, but I'll tell you, the receiver up at Carolina, uh, he looks really good. Um, What's his number eleven? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, Josh Downs, Josh Downs, that guy had an extra gear uh, on him uh, that, that, that certainly made uh, Sam Howell look good. Uh, high school MVP, uh, you know, early, I, I know he's not been on our list, but, you know, I'm, I'm looking at some of the insane numbers that someone like Aaron Herring, Herring Aaron Herring uh, down in Newburgh's putting up, or Jaden Brooks at Princeton. They don't seem to be on our Mr. Football list. And, and there are some smaller schools. Well, Newburgh, not really. Uh, but you look at some of the just the crazy video game-like numbers some of these guys are putting up. Uh, these are some guys probably in the mix. And coach of the year, high school, huh, that's a tough one as well. Um, hard, hard to say, but uh, – I might have to go with uh, Coach Jenkins at Huff if he can win this big game Friday night. All right, Alex, I'm scared of your follow-up, but what's your follow-up? 
what's so scary about my follow-up? You just never right. know what you're going to say. <laughs> well, fine. I'll make it easy for you right now. The way too soon awards, I'm not giving any awards. Frankly, no one in college football has been that impressive so far. No one in the NFL has been that impressive so far. High school coaches and players of the year, what are we going to do? Do we expect high schools to follow suit from the nonsense that we've seen in college this year in terms of colleges crafting what they do around trying to market someone for the Heisman Trophy as opposed to teams winning conference and national champ or pursuing conference and national championships? No wonder ACC football is so bad. I mean, no one is ever going to come within light years of contesting Alabama and its absolute dominance if we want to craft what we do as teams around marketing players for individual awards and not team awards. This college football season has been an absolute joke. It's an embarrassment. No one deserves the Heisman <laughs> right now. No one in the MVP does. No one in the NFL deserves anything right now. And even contemplating awards like this right now for high school coaches and players is the antithesis of education-based athletics. I will just note for the record that Devonte Smith did not win the Heisman until the latter part of the season. If you look at his statistics, and he rose to the top when it mattered for his team. Look at his progression to the latter part of the season. Okay, so we, we'll, no, 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 one, no, one, no one gets any awards right now. All right, we'll give you the same question later on in the year. I got a quick question. Tony McFadden wants to know where you can find the Talking Press podcast. Tony, it's on Apple, it's on Spotify, it's on Megaphone. It's everywhere you find your favorite podcast. Just type in Talking Preps. And uh, I haven't gotten all the episodes up in the past, but the ones from this year definitely up. I got a request early today to put up Joe Jurgensen, who's one of uh, Dale's favorite presidential candidates, to get that one up. Uh, we had a, actually had an actual live presidential candidate on the show during the election time last year. Uh, back, back to Alex. Uh, what are the biggest high school football surprises in the East and West? No one. This season has been scripted all the way around. I mean, scripted it's, it's, it's really, all the way around. Okay, Chris, what are the biggest surprises East and West? You know, my big surprise team in the East would have to be Wilmington Laney. Uh, Coach Luke Little took down there. They've been absolutely atrocious the past few years. You know, they've they've put a lot of their apples in the in the basketball basket. Uh, you know, school like Laney, why not? Uh, they got the jump man painted on the gymnasium floor. So, you know, that's a hoop school, but uh, they're undefeated and looking really good. That's my Eastern team that's really shot up there. 4A winning some big games. It probably in the West is tr a traditional power uh, that is back up there just winning a lot of big games in dominant fashion, although they lost a tough one. Uh, competitive tough one to a powerhouse in Salisbury. I got to go with Thomasville. Uh, they've been absolutely atrocious in recent years, but they're back in the mix this year, albeit in the 1A. Yeah, it's funny, as you do high schools over the years, like you'll find a team that's a year in, year out power, Albemarle and Thomasville for so long. We're battling each other to get to the 1A state championship. Now they count the other side of it. Charlotte Latin, I think, is also a team that this has gotten off to a really good start. Uh, Dale, which team needs to panic in college football, Florida State, Clemson, or Miami? Okay, so I'm going to start first by saying Florida State's bad. Miami's bad. They're both bad. I don't think we expected much out of either one of them. Panic button's not going to do anything for either one of them. Clemson's not out of any mix yet, but Clemson needs to kind of get the ball rolling, as you, as you could say, pretty quickly. So if any team needs a panic button out of these – Got to be Clemson. Okay. And uh, Gary, your follow-up. 
Um, you know, Miami and, and Florida State are nowhere near what they used to be. And I think people don't have expectations of them anymore uh, the way they used to. So I'm going to go with Dale with Clemson. They, they have a quarterback problem. Mm-hmm. Um, that guy is not as good as he played against Boston College or even against Notre Dame last year. I don't know what's going on, but they definitely have a quarterback problem at Clemson. <clears throat> But the Clemson don't don't underestimate their defense is balling out. I yeah. mean, their defense is, is but, really but college good. college ball is about scoring points and exactly. they can't score. And, and their offensive line is pretty shaky too. Uh, yeah, I scared they could score against Georgia Tech. It's one thing not to score against Georgia, but it's another yeah. thing not to score. Yeah, against yeah. They're, they're having problems on the offensive line. They 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 look confused or. Right. I tell you what, that number one looks good for Clemson, though. That Will Shipley, he looks good for Clemson. Sam, you better not say anything bad. No, they move up in those rankings. You're going to have to score. Even in the question the other the other week where he was on it, I'm answering his name. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, we, we can't we can't have you getting in trouble, with Mr. Shipley. Yeah, he he, you know, he used to take karate from the same instructor my kids go to, and all I hear is they brag about how great he was at in that too. I ain't messing with Shipley, man. That's my dude. <laughs> All right. Well, we're talking about quarterbacks. We got a quarterback on here from Myers Park. I mean, uh, Providence Day. I see I'm still frozen with my eyes closed. But Grant Logan uh, from Providence Day is joining the show. Grant, how you doing, man? Good. How are you? Doing well. You guys got a big game against Christ School. Tell us about the season so far. I know the schedule's been a little tough, but tell us about the season so far and the game on Friday night up at Christ School. Um, we going down there to – we're worried about us, focus on us. We're not worried about them. We're going to do what we need to do and just play our best. What's the what's the season been like so far? Um, we're one and two right now. We had tough couple games, Weddington and Carver. We we could have played we, I mean we didn't play our best, but we're gonna we're gonna get better. Yeah. What's it like for uh, Coach Greer? He's a friend of the show, you know, obviously a quarterback guru. Is that something that, that drew you to Providence Day? And and what's it like to play for him? And what does he teach you that your other coaches didn't teach you? What's different? Yes, sir, most definitely. Um, he teaches me everything. He, he's a great coach on and off the field. Um, he's helped He's helped to prepare me for more than just football, after football. He's just a great person and all. Yeah. yeah, I'm a big fan of his, too, man. He's one of my favorite coaches there is. I love that sign in the back. Are you in, like, a meeting room or something? Do the little things right? I always say stuff like that. Yeah, I'm in his office. I'm in his Are office you really? Right now. I hear yes, you. Well, well if he's, right, he he's going to give you half the answers. This is bull crap. If, if, if Providence Day's playing West Charlotte, how many touchdowns do you throw on Sam's? Six. Six. Oh, six. six. Hey, here's the thing. I bet a thousand. I bet a thousand. <laughs> that is not true. But um, they're a good team. They're one and two right now, like you said. But they've had some tough competition. They're going to be just fine uh, when they start getting into their conference play and things of that nature. They'll be fine when they run to the state playoffs. You know, the whole deal. They'll do really good. They were really good in, in 707s. We couldn't beat them in the 707. They always were a little bit better than us. Um, but yeah, they, you know, they're, they're going to be really good. All right. So Grant, you know what you're here to do, man? Yes, sir. You know, it. Right. throw six touchdowns. 
No, no, see, that's the thing. Number six, number six is such an evil number. I can't believe you even said let's, that. Let's throw five touchdowns and get all five questions right on the backside of this. Brother, I'm not MJ, just Coach Griner, but I'm the GOAT of the game show. What? Langston's internet is so jacked up. <laughs> I'm like frozen for real. At least you can hear me. Yeah, All right, Daniel, here we go. Question one, and it's on you, Grant. <clears throat> okay. Well, this is a pop culture question, by the way. <laughs> uh, Carolina plays Houston for the sixth time Thursday. What year was the first meeting? 2011A, B, 2007, C, 2008, D, 2003. Grant, it's on you, sir. Uh, I'm going to go with B, 2007. B, 2007. Samuel, what you got? Ah, Lee, out of all the questions, I'm going to go B, 2007, too. The answer is B, 2003. You are incorrect, and we are still tied. God, Lee, I'm a- I knew it was either seven or three. When did that? You had, you had there's a 90, when did they start, 98? Yeah, they, the first one was 2003. The Texans won 14 to 10. I got you. You had you had your chance to get off to your early lead. Well, I mean, ain't nobody know that. I'm like, come on. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> I just figured that'd be a good question. Chelsea, let's go. Which NBA star does not have a signature shoe? A Trey Young, B Luka Doncic, C LaMelo Ball, or D Donovan Mitchell? Samuel. I'm going to go B, Luca. All right. Grant. I'm going to go B, Luca. We are tied. You guys both got that right. I thought I'd throw you. The best player on there does not have his own signature shoe yet. I, mm-hmm. I, that was my fool. That was my fool Sam question, and you, and, and, and you get it right. But I guess. I bet, yeah, I bet yeah. He, he come right behind me like uh, confidence. Yeah. Uh, you know, you know. All right. I, the other one I was worried about. I didn't remember Trey, but I thought Trey might. Trey has some one. really, really nice shoes. I'm an Adidas fan anyway. But he has some really, really nice shoes. Okay. All right, Dale, here we go. This is a good one. Most U.S. football fields are 120 yards long, but how wide are they? A, 53.5 yards wide. B, 50.5 yards. C, 50 yards. D, 60 yards. Grant, you're up, sir. A, 53.5 yards wide. Yeah, it's A. It's it's A. Oh, man. Sam, you're supposed to get that wrong. (laughs) No, I knew that. I knew that. You did? I I thought I was going to fool you on that one, Sam. I knew that. It's actually actually, actually 55 and a third, I think. I don't think it's a half, but if you want to be technically correct. All right, Chelsea, here we go. Pop culture. Oh, Wait. my God. See, I, did I not call this? Here we go, Sam. Which pop singer's real name is Robin Fenty? A, Lady Gaga. B, Saweetie. C, Rihanna. D, Beyonce. Samuel. <laughs> I'm going to go A. Lady Gaga. All right, what you got, uh, Grant? Hmm. I'm going to go A2, Lady Gaga. 
Lady Gaga. The answer is C. Rihanna is oh. Robin Pitty. Yeah. Oh, I knew that too. Shoot, I knew that. The okay, R and R word. Just because you do that one, Sam, I got a double dip on the pop culture. Yeah. Oh my gosh, are you really going that for real? I'm really going that. We're all tied. The winner here goes home with the prize. Sam can either extend his losing streak or he can come back to 500. <laughs> Grant, I need you, man. I'm, Grant, I'm playing, Grant, I'm playing, Grant, I got you. I got you. Let's go. Right here. If I don't know, I'm playing. <laughs> Let's go. Here we go. All right. Fourth and one on the one. What is rapper Snoop Dogg's real name? A, Mason Roberts, B, Calvin Brodus, Brodus, sorry, C, William Roberts, D, Trevor Smith, Trevor Smith. Grant, it's on you, sir. I'm going to go with B. B, Calvin Brodus. Samuel, what you got? <laughs> Are you going to punk out or are you going to really play the game? And now I'm probably gonna punk out. I don't know. You gotta Maybe try to win because you don't want me teasing you on Twitter all week long. I don't care. Yeah, I can't. I can't give up. Can't give up the wrong thing. Let me see. I just golly. It it almost like it You're almost look has it up. to be. I, I know. Mean, yeah. That's exactly waiting what on his daughter to give him the answer. Kind of his daughter to give <laughs> oh, oh my god, my daughter knows Snoop Dogg. She, they're seven and eight years old. They don't even know what Snoop Dogg is. Like, why would Calvin be on here? That's such an awkward name. It's got to be B. The answer is B. We are all tied. Yeah. See, I, you I, were I, trying I, to get me off of that. See, I gotta stay true to it. Go somewhere different. All, those are all real rapper names. Like Trevor Smith is Buster Rhymes, for example. Those are all real rapper names. But I, I just thought that I'd get you, Sam, and and we did. That name. There's no way that it couldn't have been that name. Like all the other ones were like John Smith and those type of names. But the the, the, the streak continues. The streak continues. No, it doesn't. He didn't win, so I didn't lose. That's that, yeah. Well, uh, uh, te- technicalities, technicalities. But, Grant, man, coming on, Grant. Best of luck to you uh, on Friday night. Ask a, ask a football question to break the tie in right now. I'm not asking a football question. We're going to have to bring back all the ties to take you on later on. Jalen Walker <laughs> and Grant and uh, Jimmy. Hey, Brewer, there you go. Just today, all right. Yeah, we got we have we have some guys coming back to take you on later on. But good luck, man, up in the mountains this week. You know, go throw six touchdowns, all right? Yes, you might sir, as well I appreciate seven, that. Thank seven, you. Know, all right, seven, man. Take care, sir. Seven means complete. You said you, you didn't see that Throw six, beard. run six. Yeah, I mean, look at he's 20. He should have a beard. He's 22 years old. Like yeah, you, we don't start that. That's not he had a deep voice like a, a, like a 22 year old. <laughs> that's not that's not even true. That's not even true. All right, it's time for Chelsea's world. I'm going back to see if I can fix my interview. All right, so this week I interviewed Drew Tainter, who's a class of 23 quarterback. He's from my homeschool, Sanderson. So I've been able to watch him play tons and just seeing him progress from freshman year to junior year. You know, I figured now is his time to get featured on Talking Prep Charlotte. And to other athletes who are watching this, if you want to be featured on the show, it's great exposure. My Twitter is at Chelsea Sipple. Just send me a DM and I'd love to, you know, talk, schedule an interview and get you featured. So yeah, we'll roll the interview. So Drew, I just want to start off with, I know that Sanderson football kind of had a 
difficult start to the season. You guys faced some COVID cases, some setbacks with games and rescheduling. Just talk about how you guys, you know, overcame that start and how you've balanced out now in the season. Oh, yeah. So the beginning of the season didn't really go as planned. We kind of had like our two, our first two games got canceled because of COVID. Uh, I thought those first two ones would be really good for like just to develop the whole team, that kind of stuff, just so the team can get like in the swing of things, that kind of stuff. Especially going into Heritage and Millbrook, two tough opponents, that would have been really nice to have those first three games or first two games back. We would have been really, we would have been a lot well prepared for uh, Heritage and Millbrook if we had had those games. And, um, you know, of course, with that being a setback, how did you guys, you know, do anything to bounce back? Oh, yeah. So we didn't have our head coach for a little bit because of um, a COVID situation. But when he got back, everyone got hyped, that kind of stuff. And it just it helped us, gave us a lot of energy. And now that he's back full time, he's really hard on us and he's trying to get us back into like the full swing of things to make sure we're back on our stuff. Nice. And with you mentioning the absence of Coach Buck, you know, through COVID, through a COVID case, um, talk about how you, you know, some of the other seniors or some of the assistant coaches stepped up and took a leadership position. Oh, yeah, for sure. Our assistant coaches did like a really good job. Seniors did a good job. And a lot of kids just stepped up to be sure to keep the team like on the right track because without our head coach or our assistant coaches doing like what they're supposed to be doing and our leaders in the team doing what they're supposed to be doing, keeping everyone in line, then we would not win that first game. For sure. And Drew, you are now an upperclassman. This is your junior year. And I spoke with Coach Buck recently, and he mentioned that you had your first varsity start against Triton High School. Um, just talk about from your freshman year to now, how you've developed, you know, maybe in the off season in previous seasons. Oh yeah, for sure. I think COVID helped a lot. That whole COVID situation helped a lot. I developed really well. I got to know the offense super, super well, like the back of my hand now. And I'm obviously going to keep working, but COVID helped me get in the weight room a lot. I think I gained like 40 pounds over COVID and just a lot of things like that gave me the upper hand to kind of get back like where I need to be or higher where everyone else is. Nice. And to those watching, how would you describe yourself as an athlete on the field, you know, as a quarterback for Sanderson? I think that I'm a very willing athlete. I think the rest of the team is filled with a bunch of willing athletes that want to get out there. I just think that um, the more confidence we have when we step on the field, the more we'll win, especially that just goes with everyone being dogs. Like we just have, we have so many kids in the team that has so much potential that we shouldn't be losing games. And especially off the field too. Most of our kids take, like uh, all my teammates take care of their grades before they even step on the field. We've done a super good job with that kind of stuff as well. I like that. And, you know, talking about yourself as an athlete on the field and off the field, what are some of your personal goals, you know, could be on and on or off? Oh, yeah. Personal goal of mine, I want to get like a, I want to graduate with at least a 4-2 GPA. Nice. But on the field, I want to get like at least 10 touchdown passes this season and five rushing. I also just want to win out the games. We have three games that I think are very winnable coming up. And then we have Leesville and Gibbons, which are going to be two tough games that we really need th these next three games to get really good. And then I think we'll be prepared for this Leesville and that Gibbons game to finish out our season. If we can win out, I think uh, everyone will be happy with that. Great. And for those who don't know Sanderson High School, Sanderson High School football, 
um, kind of describe the culture there and what's the expectation for you guys this season? I think uh, going back to like the amount of athletes we have, like the expectation should just be like through the roof because we have so many absolute dogs on our team. Like we got Levi, Griff, Zay, Zion. The list just keeps going on. They're all dogs. Like yeah. we should, we should really just not be losing these games right now. And I think our potential is really high. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining. And for those watching, this is Drew Tainter, Costa 23 quarterback for Sanderson High School. Drew, thank you so much for hopping on. Oh, great job, Chelsea. He said he gained 40 pounds during COVID. Yeah. That's incredible. No, I've known him since probably sixth grade. And, you know, seeing him from freshman year and then going back this year, junior year. I mean, he's just a big kid now. Wow. His work in the weight room. Wow, great, great job for him. And, you know, I've got to agree with one thing he said. You know, that's a team that I thought was around a 2025th, 30th best 4A team. I really thought they had high expectations. But, yeah. you know, with Coach Buck getting put in the hospital, and, you know, all of us around here in Charlotte know Coach Jeremy Buck, uh, been around a long time in the Mecklenburg County. Uh, they were really trending in the right direction. And then that COVID not only almost wiped him out, but put that team a step behind him. And they've certainly had some – some growth curve, but I think they'll be back. I hope so. Definitely. Chelsea, again, you continue to just, you know, exceed the bar. And I mean, I love seeing whoever, you know, the people you have and especially highlighting, you know, kind of a guy that you've known for a while. And that was pretty awesome. But Chris, I think it's one of our, our fun segments here. It's time to hit up Grice's gyms. Thank you. All right, my man Grice, another week here, five in the book. So, you know, this is the midpoint of the high school season, uh, week six. Uh, hard to believe it's almost halfway over, at least until the playoffs. I mean, it's incredible. And one thing about today, I mean, we talk about these gyms. We are still getting these major performances in these big conference games. I, you know, I'm, I'm ecstatic to get into these guys. I think the response, you know, we were getting online has been tremendous. A lot of people that are really wanting to show off a lot of these guys and really, you know, understanding our motto here, if you ball, you're going to get the call. I can't wait to see what we've got to start, Chris. All right, let's drop that Grice's Gems music. Here we go. And here's our first set of guys. Uh, let's look at Mason Avery, uh, Coach, uh, West Lincoln High School. Uh, this guy had 14 tackles, Woo! a sack, an interception, a 41-yard return, and they're big. And this is a huge 20-17 win over Bandys. Uh, Bandys is undefeated. These are two really strong football teams here in the 2A. And, hey, I always say it, I tell Sam Griner, if you ball on defense, you get the call, too. I'm excited to get a guy like Mason Avery here. You know, one thing we love here with Grice's gyms is versatility. This is a kid that did it all. He even had the game-winning 10-yard run in overtime for this big win. Uh, he's a kid that we definitely, you know, wanted to highlight because he's doing it all on both sides of the ball, on special teams. You know, you got to – I call him a three-tool player. He can get it done in, in three different ways. That's a guy we got to highlight, and I'm glad we were able to get him on here. All right, let's go over to the, the triangle uh, to Wake County to Millbrook High School. They're undefeated, uh, moving up big time in, in the rankings. Uh, Mason Fortune, uh, 280 yards passing uh, in their big win Friday night over Sanderson in Raleigh. I uh, don't know if we've got any. I think we got some highlights coming up of him right here. Uh, he is strong for 1,103 yards. That's low number three. 14 TDs. Wow, look at him. 
And even the big thing, Guru, that we always talk about here, 73% of his passes. We are big, high-efficiency guys. As you both know, we love great QBs. We love efficient QBs, and we have to get a guy like this on here. And, again, a sophomore quarterback. There is a lot of great young talent. We talk about it all the time here in Charlotte. we got to highlight that in the triangle. And, I mean, again, you love beating your rival, and you definitely love beating them 42-9, and he was a major part of that with the 280 and four touchdowns. So excited to, to highlight him. I think he's a guy that we're going to continue to see. And if he keeps playing like this, Guru, we might be uh, seeing him with our Mr. Football watch list. Yeah, Coach Christ, it doesn't help that he's got one of the best receivers in the state to throw to. Uh, but still, being a sophomore, kind of seeing now at this young age what it's like to, to throw to a true leader in the state, that's only going to make him better as he becomes junior and senior, moving up into the next uh, couple years of his of his career. Uh, this next guy we don't have any film for, but Chad Giarusso up at Avery County, uh, nine carries, 203 yards. That's a lot of average, Coach. Uh, four TDs and a 58-12 win over Osmond. Oh, we talk about this all the time. I feel like I feel like we have like a list, Coach, like we can put out every Friday night. If you're a high-efficient quarterback, if you're you know a guy that's carrying the ball, we love big-time runs you know, in the minimum amount of carries. And you see this with nine carries, 203 yards. I'm excited that this guy, you know, really was able to to be so explosive in a big win over Rosman. I hate we don't have the film. Guys, you know, we, we want you guys to send the film. We want to show these guys off because I love when I see huge stat lines like this. But the thing I love even more is when I get the highlights to be able to show everyone else why we see this and why we look at this guy's at gym. So, you know, shout out to, to Chad Giarusso, a uh, good name there uh, from Avery County, and their big win over Rosman. So, salute to you. Yeah, Coach Mac Bryan, he's done a great job up there at Avery. Coach, if you get the film, send it to us. We'll put it on the Twitter uh, here for Crisis Gyms. Uh, hey, let's move down to Cleveland County. I always say there's just oh, yeah. something different in the water about Shelby, Cleveland County football. Uh, but there you see it right there, Dalen Lee uh, for Shelby, 9 of 12 passing. You talk about high percentage. Uh, that's a huge, uh, huge night, 292 yards and a big 63-14 to 14 win over Cherubal. Definitely. I mean, Dalen Lee, again, uh, one of the guys in a long line of Shelby quarterbacks. I mean, you know, we had the best kid come through and, and win his state titles. Now it looks like Dalen Lee's up next. And, again, high efficiency big-time yards, uh, and a huge win over outmatched charitable. But, again, we talk about it. You can't control who you schedule, but if you're playing a team that you know you should beat, you should be able to put big numbers there. But uh, Again, huge night. Can't overstress it enough. And I know uh, it might have been a rescheduled game. Charitable is a 1A school, but still, you've got to go out there and put up those big numbers, and you certainly proved it um, Friday night. Uh, we've got one more here. Uh, going all the way down to eastern North Carolina, Wallace Rose Hill High School. Um, for Kanye, Kanye Roberts, Kanye, Kanye Roberts carries. again. That's that's big time. Carries. carries 253 yards and three touchdowns. Again, he had had a small one of four yards, then came back with the two backbreakers of 65 and 76 yards and a big win, 62-22 over Southwest Onslow. Uh, also, you know, had caught one through the air and had a kickoff return for a touchdown. So Kanye definitely going through the wire to do everything he can to make sure his team is successful in this game. So I'm excited to see again. We love the versatility doing it on the ground, through the air and on a kickoff return. So a big night for Kanye Roberts and glad again. We highlighted from Dare to Cherokee, Chris, and I'm glad, Guru, that we got such a guy here that's able to show that versatility for crisis gyms. 
Well, I love that. I love that they give us the end zone camera. I think it's so great, especially with those running backs, to see the holes open. It really gives you a chance to see the vision. And man, I like that helmet painted on the field. That's Phil Padgett Field. You know, Coach Padgett just left us a uh, passed away earlier in the year. Uh, great to see his helmet there on the field. Man, that's a lot of good uh, players this week for Grice's Gyms. Oh, I'm excited again. I like that we've got versatility between types of players and positions, between where you're located. We tell you all the time and we mean that. Even though we, you know, we're here or I'm here in Charlotte, you know, Chris is all over, you know, we want to highlight people across the state. And especially in these games now, these are big performances coming up in major conference games. So as we always say, if you ball, guarantee you're gonna get the call. So remember to hit us up at Langston Words Jr. on Twitter, at Guru Chris Hughes on Twitter, and I'm at Coach Jay Grace. Make on Friday night. You're excited. You're happy. Everything went well that night. Go ahead and send us, whether it's through DM, you know, through through the normal uh, Twitter timeline. Let us know if you ball. So that's another episode of Grice's Gems. Guru, I'm always happy to do this with you. Happy to do this with you. Man, I'm still frozen. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. It's time for a new segment called The Great Debate. All right, um, Gary, we'll start with you. How long will it take for high school recruiting to return to normal? I'm going to say three years. Um, with the NCAA allowing um, guys to come back for an extra year, and some of those guys still have the ability to redshirt, I think schools, uh, colleges are going to be more um, – focused on getting high-level um, players out of the transfer portal versus um, high school seniors. Because out of the transfer portal, you have college film, and you also know what type of student they're going to be in college. So I think it's going to take three years for this to, to get back to the way it used to be. Samuel. Yeah, I mean, Gary's pretty close to that. I think that if – if NCAA does something with the rules, I think they should expand the scholarships. I know that sounds crazy, but we have an extra year of guys right now, and it's affecting high school kids. It's not giving them as much of an opportunity. Um, so maybe if they extend it maybe by five to ten scholarships, then we would see the trend happen in one year. We'd be right back on schedule. But right now it probably will take three years based upon what's going on right now. Alex. You're on mute, sir. Oh, was college football recruiting ever normal? Well, you know, the one good th – well, there's nothing good, but the one definitive parallel of this pandemic with college football is that it's a new normal. It's a new normal for colleges to hold scholarships, for transfers, and super freshmen. That's the new normal, and everyone should just get used to it. I didn't say it was a good thing. I didn't say I liked it. I said it's the new normal. Now, what should not happen is we should not see the NCAA adjust rules and give schools additional scholarships to play with this new normal and find new opportunities to act like piranhas and pariahs preying on these young people and their families all in the name of the almighty dollar and to take advantage of young people even all the more in the wake of this horrible pandemic and the fallout that has trickled down
to high school students now because of recruiting. The NCAA should not give colleges a free pass on that by giving more scholarships. And then there are other issues as well there. But in terms of recruiting, returning to a normal, oh, I didn't realize it was normal. Yeah. I don't know what to call normal for the future. I think the transfer portal has really kind of upset that a lot. Certainly players having an additional year um, impacts what schools can bring in, but I think the transfer portal is probably a, a, a bigger impact, and I don't know that it's going to return back to what we saw uh, here in the past just simply because of that. Yeah, Damian Jackson, Gary, says maybe 2024. So he's I mean, what you saying. Well, think about it. Like, what's one of those one schools that got the most transfers? One of them is like Michigan State. They're pretty good right now. So what makes them think that it's all about winning games? So if they're winning more games and they're way more efficient than they were in years before, why don't they use that type of new thing? You know, I've heard of coaches that I'm very close to actually taking over that new role of a coach that does nothing but transfer portals. Like all he does is research transfer portal stuff because it's the new deal. Like ever since Ohio State whooped Clemson the other year, it was because those two guys that transferred in made that big of a difference. So it's good and bad. Like, you know, it, it, it's sad. Alex said it, it you know, it's the Also world. the fact that a kid can play up to four games before they decide to redshirt. So, and, and it doesn't have to be four consecutive games. Uh, yeah. It could be four games, you know, somewhere throughout the season. They decide, hey, uh, I'm not going to count that season, and now they got another one, as long yeah. as they didn't play more than four games. Yeah. Yeah. That super freshman thing is a real, is a real deal. Um, Gary, stick with you. Um, what, is, what trend in high school football is most worrisome to you? Sam and I talked, touched on it uh, before the show started. And, and I talked to several other people about it, is the fact that you you rarely find high school coaching staffs now where all the coaches are in the building in some capacity, whether it be a teacher, um, a teacher assistant, uh, some type of administrator. Um, I think you're, you're finding too many coaches are coming from outside the building, and that's not – anything wrong with that but a head coach like sam can't keep his eyes on all the kids in the building by himself he needs help he needs help with communicating with the teachers um he needs help with people monitoring the conduct of his players it goes it, it, it's so much that goes on outside of the football field that these young men need supervision in the building uh, just as much as they do away from the building. So the trend that I'm seeing is there's not enough staffs that have most of the coaching staff in the building. Alex, 30 seconds, sir. What trend in high school football is most worrisome? The lack of defense. Get on D. <laughs> I agree with the uh, the coaches in the building thing. When I was in high school, every one of my coaches was a teacher. That's a worrisome thing. But to me, the biggest worrisome thing, and I had a long discussion today with someone about this, is the 
recruiting and kids playing at schools and not living in the uh, district of the school. So maybe uh, kids playing in South Carolina, driving to school with North Carolina license plates. This is happening. Yeah. Samuel. <laughs> this is the type of question that gets me in trouble, so I'm going to try to be vanilla with it. Um, Please be vanilla. All right. Um, I'm going to go with Gary on that aspect. That, you know, I love to have people in the building. Um, but like you said, you know, you got people like Grice who's got nine degrees and his brain is so big he won't even fit in the school. And so <laughs> what happens is he ain't going to take a $40,000, $50,000 paying job. You know what I mean? And I get that because a sucker makes 200000 you know what I mean? So he don't take none of us out to eat. So that's the biggest worst problem right there. I haven't got one meal from this guy yet. Well, I don't do not believe the lies that come out of Sam Brown. I'm sitting there buying you dinner. You should buy everybody dinner. Whatever. Hey, i hey, I work hard for all this stuff I do. I know you do. I'm just giving you my time. But we know he's not working for that two thousand dollar check he gets I, from. I, I would love if the demand love if the demand if the demand keeps going up higher. Like if if coaches in general, you know, football, basketball, they're they're the more main ones. I guess some schools with baseball and then track. But if the demand for success is so much higher, like I mean, you have a losing season. They're talking about your job going away or something like that in some of these schools. And it's really ridiculous when you literally are making, what, $4,000 being a head football coach, and then you get an extra month pay. So you you do all this extra stress, you know, for six to $7,000 a year, and you put in an extra 40 hours a week, probably about nine months out of the 12. You know what I'm saying? Like an extra 40 hours a week for nine months out of the 12. And if they start paying, you get a lot of better quality coaches. You get more people in the building. You say you pay head coaches $15,000 and you paid your coordinators, you know, seven and $8,000, stuff like that. We would have no issues with people going to South Carolina. We'd have no issues with people going to Georgia, things of that nature. And the quality of our football would get way better because we have more talent than some of these other states surrounding us. Imagine if we keep all the talented coaches in the same area competing for those jobs because of the pay. No, it sounds like South Carolina, what you just described, actually. Um, so, Sam, we'll circle back with you um, here. Are politicians, now be careful, are politicians about to ruin high school sports if they abolish the NCHSA? No, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, like, I, I'm kind of like a Grice on this situation. Grice always says, you know, if we're transparent, if everybody's transparent, everybody knows what's going on, we should all be able to work together. Um, maybe they weren't transparent. Maybe they needed to step in. I don't know. I, like I said, I've had NCHSA, a like situations where it affected me, good and bad. Um, politicians, I kind of stay out of that. Um, you know, but I, I think it's fine. It's a place for it. It's just they need to be able to work together. That's the whole deal. Gary. Um. I don't think the politicians have a right to interfere um, if they're not allocating the money. Um, and, and we know that the NCHAA, they don't get state funding. So since they're not getting state funding, then the politicians should stay out of it. Um, 
I don't think they'll dissolve it. I, I think if it does reach the governor's desk, he'll veto it. And um, we'll just have to wait until after we have another um, election for governor uh, before we see if they can get rid of it, which I don't think they will. I think this will blow over. All right, ready or not. Next question. <laughs> Damn. Work together, Sam said. No. This is not a place for politicians. Like Gary said, this is the money doesn't come from uh, the state. Uh, money comes from the schools. To this this rubs me very wrong because we have a bunch of ignorant politicians that jumped into this and uh, without any knowledge and understanding of what the NCHSAA is and does. Um, it's all, it's politics at its greatest. And will it ruin North Carolina high school sports? It, I think our quality of our sports will degrade if the NCHSAA is abolished and politicians control our sports. Wow. So Alex, I just want to give you a second chance, a second uh, second bet. Uh, any any comment beyond what you said earlier? Next question. <laughs> <laughs> what? All right. So like, I see everybody bashing politicians on this aspect. If you have so much money in the accounts and we don't have a plan for helping out some of the schools like a Harding or something like that of that nature, why why are we not looking into it how we can help them more? That's the LEA's responsibility, not I'm, the I'm not sure the association should be in the business of supporting schools programs. No. And the fact of all that money, uh, I don't think people fully understand all that money is not available. Uh, there are, and this is where our politicians failed in understanding how the NCHSAA is set up and how that money is supposed to be directed. Yeah. Uh, there should be transparency, but not because politicians are involved, but because the schools and and yeah. the parents need to know what's going on. And I think that's the problem, though. That wasn't being transparent with them. Yeah, they were but that's not why the politicians got involved. I got you. That's probably yeah. positive. But then there, there, there was an issue of transparency. I agree with Dale that that wasn't the sole issue why they got involved. But now it's time to see who are our fresh faces. A guy used to coach is on Fresh Faces this week, so I'm excited to see it. Here's Fresh Faces. All right, Grice, midway through the season, uh, we got a lot of big-time fresh faces uh, to talk about, and we got a packed show, so let's go ahead and hit them from the front. Uh, this man right here I like a lot, a uh, young man, Owen Finley, uh, six foot, 280-pound DB and receiver at Ledford High School. Ledford's one of those up-and-coming programs. They're really getting things done. Uh, had 17 tackles. That's for you, Coach Griner, and in four games plus five interceptions to lead North Carolina. Hey, what do you see in this guy, Grice? 
I mean, I think you're starting to see the change with a lot more long, lanky defensive backs. I mean, as teams are becoming more prolific with, you know, their passing offenses, a lot of teams, and even watching on film for myself, I'm seeing a lot more of these DBs that are long and range, and you see plays like that where he's just as tall as the receiver that he's guarding. So, I mean, it creates interesting challenges, and, you know, and for this guy, I think he's having great success just by being a great, you know, guy, you know, guy that's able to, to attack the ball. Again, his interception total of five leads the state of North Carolina. So a guy like this, Owen Finley, we talk about as we start to get into the season, these guys with great statistical advantages, great st- statistical numbers, we've got to highlight his fresh faces, and I'm glad we could bring them on. And also in that game Friday night, that game was against Providence Grove. Those were both undefeated programs. Uh, if you look at my rankings uh, for Carolina Preps, you'll see that Ledford and both of those teams have, have kind of moved up into the top 25. Good programs. That's a good, good performance. I'm glad you had that great observation about tall DBs because this past weekend, looking at other college games, that seems to be the trend. You are starting oh, yeah. to see more corners and safeties, 6'3", 6'2", 6'3", even some 6'4", which yep. is not something we've seen in the past. Not at all. So, I mean, it's it's interesting. Like, we always talk about how things trickle down. You think of, like, a Richard Sherman who really kind of popularized that with the Legion of Boom in Seattle, how it's slowly going down from the collegiate to now the high school game, and we're seeing just that. So, you know, glad to see that. And Ledford, that's where Brad Hoover came from, right? Is that where Ledford It is. Uh, Brad Hoover, absolutely. Uh, big, big-time program. Uh, they're, they're really getting things done, moved down from 2A or up from 2A to 3A and have continued uh, to win. they got a quarterback that we may talk about before the end of the year. Uh, this next time, you talked about the NFL uh, moving their way down. We've got a guy that may be moving his way up. Uh, Deems May, um, his dad got it done at the NFL. Uh, let's look at it right here. This six foot four, 230-pounder, uh, the son of Deems May, obviously, who I mentioned, um, had a two-sack performance in Friday's win over Barry. He's got 22 tackles. 4.4 per game, four and a half sacks Woo! this season. Uh, he had a monster performance uh, in the game against Cardinal Gibbons. Uh, man, what do you see in this guy? I mean, first thing I see is the versatility. I mean, we saw him line up, you know, on the on, on the edge and really rush. We saw there he lined up in a three technique. We've seen them stunt him, moving them inside. We've seen him be able to stay with some of these, you know, quicker quarterbacks and, and be able to kind of maintain that edge to get sacks. But, I mean, I, the one thing about Myers Park is, I mean, they've played some top talent. I think there's no, you know, no discussion, no equivocation about that at all. You know, these these highlights are against D1 opponents. And this is a guy, again, that you've got to watch for. And you see other teams, hey, we need to put two people on this guy. And even there, it doesn't help here, as you can see him make a big play. But I, I think, you know, defensive ends like this are just, you know, again, we talk about the, the flexibility, the versatility. This guy has the speed to match these quarterbacks, but the strength also, as we saw, to demolish and destroy offensive linemen. So not surprised with his pedigree that he's a guy that we need to be aware of. And I'm glad we we're able to highlight him here. Man, I, I seen those uh, facilities when they played at Buford last week yeah. in Atlanta, Georgia. Unbelievable looking stadium. Uh, you mentioned Pedigree, his dad, uh, Deans May Sr., big, big time back in my day, a little bit older than me, but I remember in high school, his high school days, watching him at Lexington High School. They were just absolutely beast in those days. I uh, moved on up to Carolina and obviously the NFL. Uh, so big, big time talent, big pedigree for Deans May at Myers Park. I think we'll see bigger things. Uh, for him in the future. Yep. Uh, this next guy we've got coming up is Chase High School running back Marquise uh, Marquise. Is it Marquise McCombs? Looks like probably Marquise McCombs there, Marquise but McCombs. goodness. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I think, Guru, I think we're going we're gonna to be saying and practicing his name a lot more. I mean, 
leading the state in rushing, averaging 239 yards per game right now. And, I mean, we see it right now. You know, he looks quick enough to be able to outrun anybody in front of him, strong enough to be able to run between the tackles. And we've got to give some love to his offensive line. I, I think you see right here, I mean, it looks like poetry in motion with the dancing bears there. I mean, they're, they're meeting their blocks. They're hitting it just at the right time. And the combination of his vision and with his downhill running, you're seeing that he's doing a great job and being able to make sure that guys miss and he gets every single yard that he's afforded that's afforded to him. So big time guy here, and I'm glad we're highlighting him on fresh faces. Might be a guru. He keeps on putting up the uh, might be a crisis gems guru that if he keeps on putting these numbers. Christ, did you really just give us the lyrical masterpiece and poetry in motion with the dancing bears? Uh, I like that. And did you know that, that the home team they play their games down on the farm? You gotta love that, Coach Chris Cockell. Yeah. And Chase, that is a team. They're uh, they're their team slowly moving up. And the only reason I say slowly because two A is stacked, but they may be a top right, ten yeah. team for said and done. Oh man, we talk about that, you know, with when we whenever we go through the rankings later on the show. I mean, it's it's a stacked two A, and I mean, it makes sense when we have guys like. Uh, the Shelby quarterback we highlighted uh, in the gyms, and now you're looking at a guy here where he's you know leading the state in rushing, and this is all in 2A football. So I'm excited to see how this is going to shake out, and that might be one of the most exciting playoff brackets uh, in, the, in the postseason. Well, let me tell you what I love about this show. We have already been to Wallace Rose Hill this week. We've been up to Avery County. We've been to Raleigh. Now we're going to go all the way to Murphy. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, you just can't cover the state the way we're doing right here with Aiden Trackett, six foot tall, 170 pounder, a wide receiver DB. He even punts the ball. Uh, this is highlight from their state championship win over Northside back in May. Uh, but but this young guy right here is averaging 37 yards a punt, top 20 in the state, has 172 yards receiving, 265 worth of kick returns. Christ, this guy does it all. He might even be the water boy. Hey, the water boy hands out sandwiches at halftime. I mean, again, we see a team here that, you know, you have a guy like this. Everyone talks about, you know, a lot of these mountain teams playing phone booth football and, and really running the ball. If I've got a guy, I'm going to make sure I spread that thing out and get it to him. Uh, you know, we, we, we see some of these mountain teams with these great receivers and athletic kids. I mean, this kid does it all. I mean, and again, I don't care what we're doing. I don't care what the situation is. If I've got a guy, he's going to play everything I possibly can, you know, put him there to make sure he's successful. So, this is going to be exciting to see how he continues to do this year. And again, you know, we we saw that they won the state last year. He was a big reason why they're going to. They've got an opportunity to do some big things this year. Yeah, Murphy started off the year playing some big time out of state teams uh, and and kind of have taken some losses. But changing coach, I think it's still going to be the same results. I think once they get into one A play, they're going to dominate. Uh, so great to see Mr. McCracken right there get it done. Man, that's another episode of Fresh Faces. We've done it again. Oh, again, as we talk about from Dare to Cherokee, we're going to make sure if you're doing well, if you're excelling, whether whatever segment we have on here, we're here for you. So look forward to see a new crop next week. All right. Well, here we are. Um, I was wondering what happened with the volume. Hey, we're here. Uh, hey, Grice, you know what time it is? I do. Langston, going to drop that music. All right, we're here for another fun episode of The Grice is Right here talking preps, and we're going to look straight here at the 1A rankings for this week, the top 10. Uh, Eastern Randolph continues to be undefeated, 3-0. They're leading Tarboro uh, coming in right there. They're 2-1 and one, or 3-1. and one. Uh, Mount Airy, Thomasville, uh, Robbinsville, Andrews, 
Mitchell Northside's going to move up. Uh, Northside had a big win over three at Carlton. Mountain Heritage is going down. Murphy's right there at 10. Several of these schools, uh, to include Robbinsville, um, has not really played a lot of football yet uh, due to the pandemic. Uh, any thoughts from the group uh, before we move on to 2A? Yeah, I think Murphy, there being 10, I mean, again, we talked about it a little bit, um, of course, with fresh faces. I mean, they're a dangerous 10 right there, and I, I believe they can you know, be just as good as anybody and have a chance to win it all. I certainly agree with you there. Now let's take a look at the 2A rankings. Uh, no surprise right there. Reedsville coming in 3-0, and uh, staying there at number one. Salisbury, though, had that big win over Thomasville. Uh, that's a 49-21 win. Uh, Northeastern's still there at three. Maiden is continuing to look impressive. Uh, they'll, uh, I think they'll be back in action this week. Shelby, uh, Clinton. Uh, Clinton has not played a lot of football of late. Wallace Rose Hill. Whiteville's a team that I continue to look at. Uh, I think the Wolfpack is surging uh, and looking really strong versus all the film I've seen. Hendersonville, Burns. Even with the two losses, uh, the some 3A schools, Burns is right there in it. Um, I think I think Burns, like you said, like when it gets to be playoff time, I don't want to play Burns. I'm gonna tell you that right now. Just you do not want to play against a team that is that great at running the football, playing good defense, and it starts getting a little cold. <laughs> you don't you don't want to be going against that team. They're gonna to be tough, a tough out. I agree, uh, including Shelby. I think Shelby's right there in the mix. Yeah. And Chase, who we just saw in the fresh faces. Uh, looking right here at the 3A rankings, uh, Scotland County, 4-1. Uh, they had a big victory over Hope County, Lee County, uh, Dudley. Kings Mountain continues to move up, 71st. Jacksonville uh, looking strong. They've got a big game Friday night against Newburn. Uh, Wilson Hunt, Cape Fear, South Point. Havelock just got destroyed uh, Friday night by Newburn in the 4A uh, Sam, uh, the, the Lions aren't in here yet, but I know you guys are still on my tracker. If we would have won last Friday, we would have been in the 10. I don't think so. I, th I think you might have been. <laughs> I think you might have been. I mean, you, you hey, have to say, Griner, hey, 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 West Charlotte is a lot better than Sam is giving his team credit for. Oh, he's, yeah. he's, he's being very modest. He got some dudes over there. He and does. let's just say, that if you look at my extended rankings, West Charlotte did not move down at all from that loss. So I, I think you're right, Gary. Uh, look at the 4A guys. Chambers continue to be number uh, one, five and oh. Huff is right there with them. We'll see them Friday night at Memorial Stadium. Uh, Cleveland's moving up. Cardinal Gibbons, Newburn, Grimsley, Northern Guilford, Richmond, East Forsyth took a loss mm. to Reagan, guys. Mm. Charlotte Catholic. Uh, uh, East Forsyth, Reagan, that was the upset in the state, I feel like, Guru. You know, if you look at the film, though, and you look at just how strong East uh, Reagan played uh, Myers Park and then lost to late in the game, a two-point loss to Grimsley, I think that Reagan team is a lot better than we give them credit for. We're going to get to see them uh, Friday night uh, in a big game against Glenn, too. Definitely. I just – I don't – I mean, you know, it's one of those things where you're starting to kind of go back and, you know, the East Forsyth win against Rollsville. Like, how good was Rollsville? You know, we know where they were last year, but, you know, it's starting to kind of – I always call it the transitive property algebra there. You start to look to see if A and C is better than B. And I, it's, it's one of those situations where, I mean, Reagan's a tough team, but you're East Forsyth. You can't lose that game with all that momentum. Well, they have lost to Reagan – two times in the last three opponents. Uh, so, I mean, there's some coaching history right there. That's not an uncommon uh, result when you look at how those two teams go at it. All right, guys, we're going to move right in here to Mr. Football. Uh, let, let's look at – or no, these are going to be the six games to watch. Uh, my bad. Um, all right. Uh, 
let's look at some of them. New Bern and Jacksonville. I mentioned that one. Um, Charlotte Latin is coming on strong. Uh, Latin is looking really strong, undefeated, uh, going over to face Charlotte Christian, Coach Jason Eastep's program. I think that's going to be a big game. Uh, looking up there in the northeastern part of the state, Holmes going to northeastern up in Elizabeth City. Uh, we mentioned East Forsyth and Davie County. I think this is a game that the yeah. last team uh, who has the ball may be the winner. It could be, if you like a 50-50 to 50 kind of ball game, I think you could see that Friday. Uh, Pinecrest of Richmond. Pinecrest has beat the Raiders two times in recent tries. Uh, I think that's going to be a tougher game than many may realize. Um, Maiden at West Lincoln, those are two undefeated programs. Kinston at East Stoopland, tough out east. Uh, Weddington at Olympic, I think both of those teams are good. Olympic really seems to be on the rise. Uh, we've mentioned that Glenn or Reagan. Hendersonville at Polk County. Roanoke Grafton's at Southern Nash. Those are two strong uh, undefeated teams up in the northeastern part of the state. Princeton at Lewisburg. Princeton's got one of the best. Actually, I take that back, guys. Princeton is out. Lewisburg just called them today, uh, so we need to scratch that one. Uh, Lake Norman today on Brown. Uh, Grimsley at Northwest Guilford. North Rowan at Thomasville. That's kind of reminds you of the big 2A battles of old, uh, 1A, 2A battles from yesteryear. States of East Lincoln. Uh, West Stanley at East Eastern Randolph. Providence at Butler. Uh, but, guys, we've got two big games right here. Um, we'll start first, just kind of get your thoughts on this Gibbons at Myers Park. Uh, both of these two teams have really played some aggressive uh, schedules. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty curious to see what's Myers. I mean, because Gibbons, I think, is, if not the second best team in the state right now, or could be when it comes playoff time, their road could be a little bit easier than being on the, um, the west side. So I think that they're they're gonna if you could if Myers Park can compete with the Gibbons, that's a that's a huge win for them. Yeah, I think um, we're gonna see which way the, the culture changes. Now, I remember the head coach at Myers Park in the preseason show talked about he was there to change the culture. Well, this is a culture game. Yeah, Myers this Park, is dangerous. This is a game that's gonna tell where they are in the state. Yeah, and, and Myers Park is that team to me. You know, they have certainly uh, looked good in every game they've played. Uh, they played the aggressive schedule too. So, you know, they could be that team kind of lurking there in the weeds. Uh, but obviously, guys, we got the top game to talk about. Uh, Langston, uh, I think we've got some graphics on it. All right, guys, this is the big one. I may even come up to see this on Friday night. I haven't decided yet. Uh, but, Grice, uh, what are our big keys for this one? Yeah, and, I mean, I you know, I understand Alex is my guy, but this is, you know, one of the biggest games in the state. I mean, I think these are two programs that have been the most prolific. Uh, the biggest thing, you know, first starts with the battle of the adjustments. These two teams have played an unprecedented three times after Friday night in the last five months. I mean, you've had change on the chamber side, clearly not just the name, but the defensive coordinator has adjusted. The defensive scheme has changed a little bit, but yet hasn't been as dominant as they have been in the past, you know, probably through some of the adjustment of the defense defensive scheme. Uh, key piece there, Jalen Swindell has been injured for an extended period of time. Of course, his, you know, his void, you know, his, his you know, departures left a massive void in the defense. But also, too, I mean, you know, Huff's been known as a team that does what they do. What key adjustments do they make, you know, with, with this Chambers team? And, of course, knowing Huff, you know, usually being the team that, you know, that comes out and, and is able to, to take advantage of the regular season start, they seem to be the more prepared team. But the adjustments are going to be key here. 
Uh, the second one, got to get Chambers' new QB, Bubba Camp, and Sean Bubba Camp, uh, you know, comfortable early. I always say the most, you know, missed player in, in Chambers from that last state championship team to me is Austin Greer. I thought he did a lot with running that offense, and the biggest key I always liked about him is he stayed cool under pressure and always stayed cool in big games. You never really had a major mistake from him. Uh, you know, so for, for Anton Camp to be successful in this game, I think he needs to do his best Austin Greer impression to ensure that you know they're able to be successful the last one is is a, is a big one to me and I, I always shout out Jupiter Wilson when we watch the playoff game you know will will you know now Chambers bring out not their special V but their special C um in that second game in the playoffs that rematch the special teams from Vance now Chambers played a big role in their success there and again the first game Huff was able to, to use a, a big kickoff or a big punt return by Markel Quick uh, in order to win that game. So to me, the team that wins special teams is going to win this game. And I think that's going to be, you know, what the difference is going to be in such a big game like this. You know, I know we have to take care of business ourselves, but, I, you know, I, I am kind of jealous of all of you that get to catch such quality. Well, Grice, I think you missed one thing, and that's Foot Locker. How yeah. – <laughs> what type of in, impact yeah. does officiating have on this game? Because what we've also seen is if Vance can keep the penalties to a reasonable level, and for that, uh, for them, that's that's probably let's say under five or under for the for the first half. Okay. <laughs> um, then I think the the talent will come out in Chambers. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to call him Vance, but uh, yeah. Chambers still has a talent advantage. But if Foot Locker shows up and every two plays that flag is flying and most of them are usually going against Vance, then I think Huff will take advantage of it. I don't think you can you can beat Huff with 140, 150 yards in penalties. Not at all. So I wonder, you know, having watched a lot of rival games, and I think on field, the biggest rival games I've seen in the last 30 years were between Vance and Mallard Creek. I did not see as hard a hitting football anywhere that matched that level of intensity on field. So there's two places rival games take place. One's on the field and one's in the stands. Um, those games were exceptional. My question is, will this game meet that kind of level of Intensity. I think without question, these are two of the best teams in the state, thus uh, a great game. And potentially, Huff is replacing Mallard Creek as the rival for, um, in place of uh, or for Vance. I don't know. I mean, I, I, Vance. I mean, I wouldn't degrade Mallard Creek at all. I just think that they're a young team, but they're really good. Like, they're very efficient in what they do. They're still going to. They got a new guy at the helm, and I like what he's doing. It's just he has to put his imprint, and that's what he's doing. It just took him a year to kind of get that going. But the fans and Chambers, yeah, they got some bad blood. You got, you know, you got Coach Simmons that coached at, at Vance, you know, before he came Chambers for many, many years. Now he's at Huff. You know, he calls his running backs the bully boys pretty much, and uh, they're trying to play bully ball. They got two really good running backs that can match Hollywood pretty well. Um their defense might be even better than Vance's defense. So, 
and then special teams, you know, who knows what can happen. It's a lot of fireworks. I wish I could watch it, but I got our our most important game of the year is this Friday as well. So I'm going to go old school right here. Long before Huff and Van and Chambers ever opened at schools. But I will say this much right here. First off, nobody, and certainly not Huff, is, suppl- is supplanting Mallard Creek as Chambers' primary rival. They're not at that level yet. Huff hasn't proven it. Huff doesn't have a ring. Mallard Creek does. Furthermore, I'm going to affirm that while I think that the magnitude of this game is being overhyped grossly in terms of historical significance, its only significance is where these teams want to get this year, which is on the road to a state championship. But despite how overhyped grossly this game is being uh, played up in terms of historical significance, because there is none, I will say that there is enough excitement, appropriate that we have chambers involved because we very well may need busing to Memorial Stadium. For this game. <laughs> no, I, but I think, you know, when we talk about rivalries and, and, you know, here, there are rivalries of historical significance. And then there are rivalries, I call them of excellence. I mean, you look in the collegiate level, Alabama and Auburn are, you know, are, are Iron Bowl rivals, but you look at Alabama and Clemson, those are rivalries of excellence. I mean, I think they have bigger and more historically significant rivals. But right now, for what we're in, you have two teams that are rivals, uh, you know, in a situation where they both have been excellent and have frequently played each other. So, you know, I, I do think that for that level, the excitement is warranted, but even though without the significance, I'm excited for a great game, Guru. All right, been in conference together for- Creek. How many players do y'all have this week? 624? <laughs> I had a lot. Got a few. <laughs> All right. Great job, gentlemen. Uh, great as always. Hey, it's time for us to talk about Mr. Football. All right, guys, here is an updated Mr. Football watch list. Uh, there you see him right there. Number one, Hollywood himself, Thalen Smothers from Chambers High School, number one. Marion Hampton at Cleveland, Jalen Walker, Lucas Linhoff, uh, the quarterback from Myers Park, has popped up there on the list. Aaron Herring, the running back at uh, Newburn, he is doing the list. Uh, Tad Hudson still in the mix. Alonzo Barnett at Grimsley. Uh, Kevin Casey Concepcion at Chambers. Uh, there you see uh, Mason Forging, the quarterback at Millbrook, is kind of on the watch list. Jaden Brooks at Princeton. Quarterback Alex Summers at Davie County. Uh, Newman is still in the mix. Malachi Hamrick. Uh, Byron Brown from Rollsville is still up there with us, uh, as is Christian Hamilton. Uh, and, and we've got another Western newcomer in Gavin Gosnell at Hendersonville. Uh, Bryce, I'll start with you. Yeah, I think you're starting to see some of these performances in big games have an impact. I mean, Dalen Smothers rising to the top is surely buoyed by his almost 300-yard performance uh, against Hickory Ridge in that tight ball game a few weeks ago. Uh, you know, Marion Hampton and Jalen Walker are two guys that I think are you know are no secret uh, to this list, to this show even. And I, you know, I think they they do great to round out that top three. But I think the bigger surprise for me was you know Alonzo Barnett kind of falling down. Grimsley's kind of been struggling, you know, through these last 
last few weeks with their performances. And, you know, when that happens, and especially if we're not getting exceptional QB play, I think that, you know, is a cause for that when you're around such great talent like a Lucas Lindhoff or a Tad Hudson, who both have actually been stellar um, so far. So I think this top, you know, this top eight really here has really been significant. I'm looking forward to some of these big games. I mean, you know, some of these guys have to step out. We know what Dalen Smothers will, will Casey Conception get those opportunities. You know, we look at Huff the kind of in the same way, you know, how, how does Ted Hudson play? A bad performance in some of these games in these next few weeks, you, you're probably going to drop like a rock on this watch list. So some great talent here, some good newcomers, but some guys are really going to stand out here in these next three or four weeks. So I'm ready for it. Good points there, um, Coach Christ. Uh, and I do think we'll see, start to see a separation here as we get to the back half of the season starting this Friday night. Alex, so we see uh, Raleigh quarterback, sophomore quarterback, it is Mason Fortune from Millbrook, who's passed for ungodly numbers, uh, but his receiver there, Wesley Grimes, has yet to pop up. What do you think about it? Well, Mason spends his wheel of fortune weekly with Wesley Grimes as his primary target. Millbrook is 5-0 and for the first time since 2010, and this Fortune to Grimes connection, Grimes being a Wake Forest commit, is leading the way Why? Uh, Mason Fortune taking uh, full advantage of the opportunity to play with someone like a Wesley Grimes. Let me just put in perspective what uh, Wesley Grimes has accomplished on the receiving end of Mason Fortune's passes. Wesley Grimes has 12 receiving touchdowns through five games for a 5-0 and team. That's way ahead of DeFonte Smith's Heisman pace last year. I mean, that's just for a comparative perspective right there. And he's approaching 700 yards receiving through five games and 12 touchdowns. And Millbrook, as a matter of fact, I think I'll be at, at uh, the Millbrook Heritage game this Friday. So we'll see if uh, Millbrook can continue to go forward. But Wesley Grimes and the numbers he's putting up, the touchdown, the receiving touchdowns pace way ahead of Devontae Smith, that has to be noticed. Hey, Alex, I'll say this, uh, and, and anybody can answer this. Uh, we've seen some of these players who have just played against ungodly strength of schedules, whereas some others have played against some lesser competition. How much do you take in consideration uh, the teams they play uh, when ranking these players? I think the bigger issue is the number of teams who simply refuse to get on D, and I don't fault people like Wesley Grimes who take advantage of that. That's not to call out any particular team, but we've established full well that high school defenses are not what they should be. I mean, granted, that's why you have uh, exceptions to the equation like um, Cardinal Gibbons and defensive coordinator Nick Drew, uh, among the very uh, brightest, brightest shining stars on the defensive side of the ball in the state. And he'll get the opportunity to see, I think, what was it called? Um, Myers Park's shiny new toys for Curtis Fuller, I think it was, shiny new toys. Um, but uh, we, we're not going to fault anyone, any of these quarterbacks and wide receivers who take advantage of teams who refuse to play defense. That's not their fault. They go and do their job. So it is what it is. Uh, but to quote Langston in the back room, he says, putting together our super team is going to be bananas. I agree with him. Any other thoughts uh, from the game before we move forward? I just think the one, um, the McCombs kid, watching him on film, we highlighted him earlier. I think that he's legit enough to be on this watch list now. I think that watching him, how low he plays, it reminds me of Darren Sproles a little bit, but he's got really good vision. And when he runs, you can see how his his, his bend, his chest is over his toes. Like he's falling forward when he's going to get hit. 
Um, but he's very fast too, as well. So I think that kid, that kid's really good. You know, speaking of shiny new toys, Joe Evans has a shiny new toy and uh, Jacob Newman. And I've got to watch them play the last two weeks and great players step up in big games. And they had a huge game this past week. That was uh, playing Catawba Ridge was Who huge called? for that program. Who called yeah. that? I said they're going to win by how many points? <laughs> 14 points. You, you I did. Like I was crazy. Yeah. Now, he's he is running behind what is going to prove to be, I think, one of the best lines in the state. Uh, Joe has really put together a great team. But that aside, that kid, he has vision. He has athletic movement ability. Uh, he is always – one of the things I noticed uh, – Friday night is that he always had his head up and when contact was made he was continuing to look to see what he could do to get another yard or two uh, and what he ended up doing many times was getting form five I think he finished with 190 in that ball game what a, so I think another good ball player out of many that's on this list yeah one of the things I'm, I'm starting to to notice is we're starting to trend back to the running game. Uh, in the past three or four years, you know, high school football has gotten very pass-centric, and there's been a lot of emphasis on quarterbacks and receivers, and I'm enjoying seeing a lot of running backs on this list and some of the yards that they're piling up because uh, it's nothing that controls a game like the running game. No doubt. I need to find I one. I agree. Hey, Grice, it, it's our time. What's up, Grice? Oh, let's go. Let's go to the Thunderdome, baby. I'm ready. I already got I really you. Need to go. I really want to go in the Thunderdome so I can win at something right now. <laughs> Welcome to another edition of Great, great entrance always gets me up for the most exciting part of the show. Uh, man, uh, who could believe that we're already in week six? Uh, which one of you gentlemen are up first tonight? Coach Griner's time. All right. Let me All right, let's hit it. Coach Griner. Yeah, yeah that's rare right for you to defer. <laughs> oh, yeah, we ain't going to kick or receive tonight? <laughs> no, no, not kicking twice. <laughs> All right, Coach D, uh, what pair of college rules should come to the high school game? This is the easiest rule that I can imagine. Like, it, it's frustrating to me. It's a college rule, okay? What is the one number you see college guys wearing right now that is not allowed in high school? Does anybody know? Zero. It's zero. It's such a – everybody loves single digits. Zero is a great thing. So, what I did, and, and I couldn't wear it. We won it the first game. I and saw. State, and the state told me – you can't wear a zero no more. I I'm saw. Like, I'm sitting there doing my charter. I'm like, wait, what? Yeah. And so <laughs> what I'm saying is we try to get real creative to let them understand we got to change the way we think on defense. So we were going to give the number zero to whoever the defensive player of the week was for the following week because they're always trying to produce a what on that side of the scoreboard? A zero. Okay. So we had an extra large 
zero. We had a medium size zero. So it was a really cool thing, and they just shut it down because of what? Why? Why? Why don't we not have zero? If, if colleges are able to do it, these kids see zero. We can use it for incentives, and it's a good thing. It doesn't hurt anybody. Now you hear, so, yo, Chris, do you hear what he's trying to do? We're sitting there. I'm sitting there looking at players. You got a zero one week as a DB. He moves the linebacker the next week. I know what you're trying to do. I'm sitting there going through the film. Like, what the zeros all over the place? He needs to worry about the linebacker. Are you serious? Whatever. I know your tricks, man. But, hey, that the fashion stuff is cool. I got to tell you all the time, man. You deal with the fashion. I'll deal with the ball. The rule clearly is overtime uh, playing from the 25-yard line. This playing from the 10 kills me. I mean, we've got kids that are more skilled and growing up now. They get Let's actually run our offenses from the 25, let Grinder be able to throw the ball like he wants to, and we can actually get a real overtime here. Playing from the 10 is just – it puts everybody in position to score rather than rewarding teams for the opportunity to put some plays together to either get in field goal range or get in the end zone. I need that rule. Ball on the 25. Let's play I think that, I think that's a good rule, too. I want both of those rules done because if you have the kicking game, check it out. If you if you can kick field goals and say you get three and out and you got to kick the field goal, that's a big advantage right there to a team that doesn't have a field goal kicker. See what I'm saying? They have to yeah. go fourth down. So I would love to see that. That would be really good. Oh, for sure. Speaking of the kicking game, what would you guys think about the fair catch rule in college, being able to wave a fair catch at any point on the field and start at the 25? I'm okay with it. I mean, again, I think the big thing is safety. And when you're talking about younger ages, you know, those are the type of kids that are, you know, going to produce a, you know, helmet-to-helmet type hit. And and I think, you know, whether it's, you know, in college or whatever with kickoff, you have targeting to discourage those reckless or helmet-to-helmet style hits. High school, you don't have it. I mean, it's on whether the ref wants to determine if that if that's too much. So it's another safety measure you can implement in the game and make sure, hey, let's just get the guys on the you know on the 25-yard line ready to go. That's where the highest impacts are on kickoff and kickoff yeah. return. So they're trying to limit that. Professionals started that first, not colleges taking over. Uh, high schools will eventually get there. We'll end up kicking from like the 45 or something like that eventually, and then you'll get more end zones. All right, Coach Grice, you're up here for this next question. Uh, should the pass interference be an automatic first down in uh, high school? Yes. Yes, it should. I have no idea why a 15-yard penalty shouldn't be an automatic first down. That's the only one, if I'm not mistaken. You got guys like Grind over here that are just going to have their guys where you can trip somebody or clip them and knock them down, take the flag, and then get back on defense. It should be an automatic first down to discourage teams from doing that. I just don't understand why it's it's become that situation. Like even even when you're inside of the ten, all the defense just does is decide. Okay, well we got beat here. Let me just tackle you. The down doesn't change, and we get no reward for that for running our route, beating the defender, and we get no reward. You get to tackle us, and we get to play it like it never happened. That's ridiculous. It should be an automatic first down, Griner. No, it shouldn't be an automatic first down. Don't be second and 25. But it's still in the goal line, too. If I've busted your butt all drive and I'm inside the 10, it's yeah. still not a first down. Okay, I understand your aspect. That there. part is the crap part. If I'm but second and 30, there I is the automatic first down for roughing the passer, though. But that's what I'm saying. It's the only 15-yard penalty. Steve, if I'm not mistaken, what, is the, what, is the one, what is the most judgmental call? Um, outside of maybe holding, but well, in the passer, it's not, it's no, not, it's not it's high school. Not in high, high school, don't know that I had to play it. Play it's defense. Alex, get on me. 
I wish they did have a better rule. Like y'all pass interference at least two or three times in the game Friday, and you didn't. I can help you. Receivers are not strong than ours. Hey, I've, I've been I've been on both sides. I have no sympathy. You had the better team last year in the spring. I had the better team right now. I have no sympathy. I'm with you. I'm with you. Two shots. No, no, the rough and the passer call. Speaking of, that was the crap call. Our guy like slightly shoves Mahatha. He's so big, he falls on the ground like he just slipped on a banana peel, and we look we looked at like we're the bad guys. Terrible. <laughs> All right, Coach Croner, you're up on this next one. Uh, best place to watch a college football game in the Carolinas and in the USA? Well, I'm, I'm, you know what I'm going to say. I'm going to say Clemson. I think running down the hill, it's a great environment to see. I sent some kids up there this past Saturday, and uh, you know I wanted them to see the pinnacle of college football around this area because it's hard to drive to Alabama and see that with the LED lights and all that stuff going on. But um, I just think that that's that's pretty awesome. Now, high school, I I think Richmond County is pretty special if you go just straight yeah. high school on it. So like that, they they their LED lights. I'm hoping, I'm praying and hoping that when we open up this new school with Charlotte, they they figured out, hey, we're putting new lights up. Let's put LED lights. Yeah, oh, that, would, that would be so lit, literally. <laughs> oh <my>. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, all right, man. I'll take this. I knew you were going Clemson, and I agree. Honestly, that part I agree with. I love they get on the bus. Hey, I was when I was at Hopewell. I was trying for us to get on the bus, go on the road to the other part of the stadium, just so we could run out of the, out of the um, on the other side. That idea is great to me. But not choosing that. Hey, I'll go ball at the beach with Coastal Carolina. I think you know their program's emerging. I think the excitement there is palpable, and I just love what they're doing down there. And the crowd seems to to mimic how well the team's doing. Um, if I don't know, Guru, are we talking USA now or yeah, USA, any any stadium in the country? Yeah, I mean, if we're going like I said, any stadium, man, enter the Sandman is still you know mm-hmm. that Virginia Tech enters at Lane Stadium. It's still one of my favorite. Uh, when I was down there at the reservation, which I enjoyed too, I think high school wise, I think that might be you know number one or one A. They played Enter the Sandman uh, as we were coming out. Yeah, really. Coolest things, yeah. They had it going, and we ended up coming out during that. And I mean, it gave you chills, especially there for even our high school guys. But Lane Stadium's tough to beat Virginia Tech. And I'm gonna tell you what, um, they haven't had this atmosphere in a while, but back about nine or ten years ago, and especially in the early 2000s and in the 90s, a night game at ECU was an unbelievable atmosphere, and they tailgate like it's just unbelievable. NC State's pretty good as well. Uh, My best atmosphere I've ever seen in the country, I don't know, it may be between, uh, I would say Alabama or Tennessee, a night game at Tennessee, all those people, the the sound just reverberated through your body. Kenzie, get us tickets. Get us free tickets, Kenzie. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Hey, that wraps it up. I guess that's it for Coach versus Coach. I think we will bring the whole game. Thanks for the shot. We were quiet. He was shocked that we were quick. There you go. I was. I was shocked. <laughs> um, quick story. My, when my older son was in high school, we got offered by Clemson, Virginia Tech. We took a visit to Virginia Tech. They played Aaron the Sandman. I thought I'd never heard anything as loud in my life. Then we went to Clemson. They're playing Louisville. Lamar Jackson was a quarterback. Yeah, I went to that game. In, in my life, and I've been to a lot of places. I've been to Michigan. I've been to a lot of places. In my life, I have never – I'm frozen again. I have never heard a, a stadium that loud in my life, ever. I mean, I, I thought – You're I in a hole. Dying. It was so loud. Yeah, that Death was, Valley. That was, yeah, that you're was down in a hole. That was absolutely, absolutely incredible. Fellas, it's 932. I almost made it. I'm so close. I'm so close. So I'm gonna I'm gonna sign. We're gonna let the we're gonna let the start of the show have his moment. Let me let me find this his uh 
his his thing and put him, <laughs> and put him in his one shot. Big star, here we go. Uh, not not big star, getting my tail whooped in game shows and in the field, you know, so definitely licking my wounds right now. But, you know, all credit go to Mallet Creek. I think that their head coach um, is an amazing man. I really enjoy talking to him pregame and after the game. And then Grice, he's at a great place. I, I try to get Grice to come over here with me, but I think he made a great choice where he's at. I just want to say I enjoy being in our conference. We play – best conference football than anybody else in North Carolina. And it's pretty special. Every week it matters and every team's really good. So just excited to be a part of it. All right. Well, there you go. Uh, Huff, Huff High School fans, that man's uh, Twitter is Hill State Hoops. Alex Bass, uh, you want to make your comments? To this? Hill State Hoops, Alex Bass. All right. I'm Before I freeze again, I'm going to get out of here. I'm Langston. That's Sam. That's uh, – I'm just kidding. That's Sam. That's Grace. That's the guru, the number one voice of high school sports in North Carolina. Dale Ross, my good friend Gary Richmond, and Alex Bass. We are talking preps, and we'll catch you next week. See you. Peace.